this is Richard Reilly, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for stopping by once again. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is On Screen and Beyond, episode 347 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we got a great guest coming your way. Richard Reilly is going to be joining us. He was in Office Space, great film there. Glory and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and so many other things. The list just goes on and on. He's got a great career and he's got a new movie coming out on January 16th, a comedy horror called The Cabining. So get ready. We're going to be talking about that and so much more. And um, you just got to listen to it because it's Richard really right here on On Screen and Beyond from Office Space. So that's coming up in a few minutes. And I want to remind you, if you have a suggestion for a guest here at On Screen and Beyond, send it to me. Don't be shy. Feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com is where you should send it. I'm always looking on checking our mail and everything to find out what you want, who you want, and then I set out to try to get it. Also, the other thing i got to mention here is if you know of a connection to somebody let me know because you know I can't always find these people. I work with a lot of publicists and everything, and uh, you know sometimes they don't have publicists, so uh, I don't know where to find them. So uh, if you know how to connect with them, let me know because uh, we can use all the help we can get here, getting more and more people that you want on the show, and uh, I appreciate that. So. That's your duty, and my duty is to get on with this show. So coming up in just a minute, we'll have Richard Reilly. But first, we've got Remake Madness. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. It looks like the remake of Pete's Dragon that we've talked about quite a bit, actually, from Disney is uh, moving right along. It already has Robert Redford and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard in the cast. And they have now added more. Dexter himself, Michael C. Hall, is going to be joining that cast. And The Hunger Games, Wes Bentley, will be also joining the cast. You can look for that film to come out in 2016. And a remake of How the Grinch Stole Christmas is in development. You can look for that. Uh, They're looking at 2017 for that one. And a remake of Sabrina the Teenage Witch is still in development, and they're looking for maybe a 2017 release on that. That is it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, let's find out what's coming away as far as new and original upcoming new movies right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming new movies, it looks like Matt Damon and Reese Witherspoon will star in Downsizing. Now, that sounds like a corporate-type thing, but it's not. It's a sci-fi film, and Alec Baldwin, Jason Sudeikis, and Neil Patrick Harris have been added to the cast. Unfortunately, Sasha Baron Cohen, Paul Giamatti, and Meryl Streep have been dropped from the film. And Orlando Bloom and Michael Douglas will star in Unlocked as a CIA interrogator is lured into a ruse that puts London at risk of a biological attack. 
And you can look for Patrick Dempsey to star in Mission SOP as a 10-year-old girl plans a mission to save her family by Christmas. And that's going to be coming out December of 2015. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming away as far as sequels. Sequel City, Liam Neeson says he is open for another outing as Brian Mills in Taken 4. And uh, whether that's going to come about or not, uh, we'll, we'll see. He says he's up for it. And the screenwriter of Beetlejuice 2 has confirmed that the film will take place in present day. And the Fantastic Four 2 is already in development for 2017. That's it for Sequel City. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. TV on DVD, Ancient Aliens Season 7, Volume 1, lands in stores on June 16th, and that's an update from the previous release date. And Chips, the complete third season, arrives on March 3rd. And don't forget, uh, we had one of the Chips guys here, so uh, check it out in our rerun section. And the Veep, the complete third season, moves our way on DVD on March 31st. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming away as far as movies on DVD? Movies on DVD, there's nothing that's going to stop it, I guess. The interview will come to Blu-ray and DVD on February 17th with Seth Rogen and James Franco. And Bill Murray stars in St. Vincent as it comes to DVD and Blu-ray on February 17th. And Lonesome Dove Church is a Western starring Tom Berenger that rides onto DVD and digital download on March 24th. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. <laughs> TV and Entertainment Time. Well, the CW is renewing Arrow, The Flash, Jane the Virgin, Supernatural, and many others. And the 80s movie Adventures in Babysitting is getting a redo and a re-imaging as it becomes a TV movie. And it's going to be called Further Adventures in Babysitting. And it looks like American Idol continues to die a slow and agonizing death. This year's premiere was down 25% from last year's premiere. Looks like it's time to shoot the dead horse, I guess, on that one. That's it for TV and entertainment time. Next on On Screen to be on, Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get a tummy ache and you moan and groan and woe, don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity birthdays. It looks like on January 18th, Jason Siegel turns 35. January 19th, Jody Sweeten turns 33. Dolly Parton turns 69. And Shelley Fabray turns 71. And on January 20th, 
Rain Wilson turns 49. And James Denton, guest right here on On Screen and Beyond just a week or so ago, turns 52. January 22nd, it looks like, uh, let's see, John Hurt is going to be turning 75. Diane Lane will be turning 50. Linda Blair will turn 56. And Piper Laurie will turn 83. And January 23rd, look for Tiffany Thiessen to turn 41. And it looks like Richard Dean Anderson, MacGyver himself, turns 65. Gil Gerard, Buck Rogers, turns 72. January 24th, Neil Diamond turns 74. And Ray Stevens turns 76. That's it for celebrity birthdays. And as far as listener birthdays, Seth R. from Zurich, Switzerland, will be turning 51. And Bethany T. from, well, they didn't say. They didn't say where she was from, and they didn't say how old she was. But happy birthday to her, too. If you have a birthday coming up or a friend or a relative want us to celebrate it here at On Screen and Beyond, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we will get it on, and everybody who's a listener of On Screen and Beyond can celebrate it with you. So happy birthday to all of you out there. And it's time now. Richard Reel is going to be joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, if you've ever seen Office Space, you know who this guy is. Uh, he's just a riot, and he's been in so many films, uh, Glory, and everything else. So uh, he's coming up. He's going to be talking about that. He's going to be talking about his new film that's out on DVD. It's called uh, The Cabining, and it's a horror comedy film. And we're going to find out all about it next, right here, Richard Reel on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guest is an actor who has appeared in hundreds of movies and TV shows, including the TV show Ferris Bueller, Fried Green Tomatoes, Bridesmaids, Star Trek Voyager, Free Willy, Grounded for Life, and Office Space. On January 16th, he will be in the film The Cabining, and it's a comedy horror movie that's coming out on DVD and video on demand. It's Richard Reilly. Richard, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thank you. Good to be on. Richard, I'm looking over your credits, and I, I was just blown away at how many <laughs> different films and movies you've been in. Well, I've been, I've been real fortunate. It wasn't anything I really planned. I spent about 20 years doing theater, uh, first all around the country, and then about uh, 10 years in New York, and uh, had never really thought about coming out to L.A. Um, did uh, when... Uh, Glory was uh, was premiering out here, and it had an opportunity to uh, audition for a number of other things, and sort of got stuck here. <laughs> the, the weather was nice, right? <laughs> yes, the weather's been fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, let us in on the the, the cabining. Uh, it's uh, it sounds like it's a, a, a funny horror film, right? Exactly. The cabining is is, is really a really amusing script. I. I when they sent it to me, I, I, I laughed out loud many times. It's about two two guys who are uh, co-writers, and they've decided that uh, the horror genre is the best way for them to get their uh, uh, foot in the, in the door in the, in the uh, screenwriting business. And but they can't really haven't really been able to put a script together. And so one of them has this rich uncle Sarge, who I'm playing, and. Uh, I tell them if they can put together a script in two weeks, 
that is legitimate, I'll uh, cover the cost for their film. So one of them has heard about a uh, write, screenwriting workshop up in a cabin out in the woods someplace where everybody is is, uh, is there just to write. And uh, so they arrive there, and uh, uh, strangely, things begin happening that uh, inspire them to write their script, although they're, they're, they're a little scary at the same time. People are dying. <laughs> All right. Now, as far as your character, what are you like? Are you the, the crotchety old uncle or something like that? Or? I'm the crotchety old uncle, and um, in fact, I only appear on Skype uh, on a couple of conversations that I, that I have with my nephew and his uh, writing partner. Ah, okay. And Now, how did you get involved with this film? Well, um, uh, Ian Michaels, who's one of the producers and also an actor in it, um, I had done a film with, with him uh, called uh, uh, Friended to Death and had a great time on it. And uh, they had come to L.A. to do some shooting. They shot, I believe they shot most of, of Cabinine uh, in North Carolina. Uh, but they, they had come to L.A. to do a, a, couple, a couple of things, and um, they were looking for someone to play Sarge. And, uh, and as a producer, he remembered that I'd worked with him before on that, and so he suggested it. And once they sent me the script, I said, absolutely, find a way to get me into this. Hmm. So you didn't, You said you were on Skype, so you physically didn't have to go? You just sort of put your feet up? and. <laughs> no, I, I went to the location where they were shooting, and, uh -huh. we, and we shot it, and then they, they uh, put it on uh, screen to look like I was coming out, uh, out of the... Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have any idea how to do it. I'm you know, a luddite when it comes to all that technology. <laughs> you're, you're the actor. You you, you act right. <laughs> well, I try. Believe me. Oh, from the looks of your list here, you you you've done it a one or two times. <laughs> one or two times. Yeah. <laughs> now, was acting what you always wanted to do? Besides, I mean, you just, you said that you started in theater. Uh, was your goal initially to be a you know a theatrical actor? Yeah, I mean, I my I had no uh, idea about uh, acting at all. I was uh, uh, in college, uh, uh, and my my sophomore year abroad, I was a German major and uh, was studying in Austria. And they said, you know, go to the theater, go to the opera, go to the, the films at least once or twice a week, and hear the language spoken. So I started doing that, and uh, enjoyed it. I hadn't really been much of a, uh, a theater goer or even a movie goer up till then. And uh, one of the guys that I was studying with, uh, I was at the University of Notre Dame, uh, was in in the theater program, and so he coerced me when we got back to uh, uh, Indiana that to do to to try out for the uh, musical, which was um, uh, how to succeed in business without really trying. And somehow I got cast in it. And uh, even though I, I believe when I when I did the original. Uh, uh, reading, I was reading stage directions and everything else. I had no idea how to, you know, what I, what I was doing, and um, they. Uh, I, I ended up after four years at Notre Dame with not enough credits to graduate in any major. And he suggested, you know, you can get all the credits you need in one semester in speech and drama. And I said, okay, let's do that because I can't afford to stay here any longer. <laughs> and uh, and so I did. And uh, the professors there got me a, a teaching assistantship at the University of Minnesota and uh, went up there and got my master's degree. And uh, 
and then uh, interned at a, at a theater in, in Michigan, the, uh, uh, the Meadowbrook Theater, and um, said, well, when that was all finished, said, well, I'll give myself a year. I'm enjoying doing this, and uh, there's not really anything else I'm interested in pursuing, and so I did. And uh, I continued to get you know, enough jobs to keep uh, a roof over my head and food on the table. And uh, so I said, well, I'll make it, I'll give myself five years and really see where this goes. And uh, then I started uh, going around the country doing regional theater. Um, I was in Alaska. I was in uh, San Francisco. I, I, was, I was in Arizona. I was in uh, uh, various parts of Michigan and Indiana and Wisconsin and and, uh, I, you know, it, it became uh, a real experience, a life experience that I really enjoyed doing. And so when the opportunity came to go to New York um, for a Broadway show, one of the directors I had worked with in Seattle had written, um, I, I went to, and did that and stayed about 10 years in New York, again, doing mainly theater, not another Broadway show, but lots of off-Broadway stuff. And the um, along the way, I, I began doing a little bit of... Uh, uh, film and TV. I I did the soaps. They didn't have all the Law and Orders going then when I was there. <laughs> and I did. Uh, and I eventually got cast in in this um, movie Glory, and uh, in New York. And uh, so when that movie opened, um, uh, I went went to L.A. to see if I could, you know, get anything from that. And the, and a few doors opened enough that I ended up doing the Ferris Bueller series. And uh, mm -hmm. so I stayed for the next pilot season. And, did a pile with Dan Aykroyd, surprisingly didn't go, and uh, but I managed to do um, a number of films, including uh, Fried Green Tomatoes, and uh, mm. uh, I did four films in Chicago that year, which I thought was a blast. Wow. But uh, and uh, and so I just I continued to do it, uh, uh, and it's it was it's sort of uh, like that, you know, Pacino in in uh, in the Third Godfather. I, I keep trying to get out, and they pull me back in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, eventually I realized there was nothing else I could do, so I just sort of uh, relaxed and went along with the flow. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, pilots. Uh, you had done that pilot with Dan Aykroyd. Yes. What happens to those? I mean, I mean, I think it would be great to have a network that showed all these things that didn't. I think it would, I think it would be terrific, too. A, a, a couple of uh, a couple of comics found some pilots uh, uh, that that hadn't gone anywhere and would, would, uh, would show two or three of them, uh, on an evening at, you know, at, at, at some, uh, comedy clubs. Um, uh, and some of them I thought were pretty good. I, yeah. was, I was surprised, but uh, yeah, I don't know where they are. Yeah. Um, uh, there, somebody's got copies of them, but, uh, I don't. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that, that would be an interesting thing. See, and, and I'm sure we'd see a lot of, of, of the beginnings of a lot of actors. Oh, you certainly would. I mean, there's, I mean, well, you know, the George Clooney is a fa famous story. You know, he had like eight or nine uh, busted pilots before uh, ER. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. They're, they're, those would be. It would be great to see some of those things. Yeah. So, uh, do you remember what your first TV or movie role was? Um, yeah, it was. Um, I was doing um, uh, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival at, in Ashland, and this uh, this. Uh, movie was coming into town uh they were actually got, not not national they were shooting grants pass and it was called rooster cogburn and the lady 
And um, and so I managed to get an audition, went up to Grants Pass and gave him my my photo and resume and uh, and you know talked to the uh, second uh, assistant director who was handling it, and uh, you know then left and and I said you know you know have any can you give me any idea when this may, you know I'll find out one way or the other and they said oh uh, you know we'll we'll probably find out in a week or so and so a week later I hadn't heard anything so I called up and they. Um, uh, whoever answered the phone uh, thought I was somebody else, and they said, "Oh yes, you're supposed to be up here at six o'clock tomorrow morning." So I drove up, I drove up there, and uh, and I arrived. And I guess they felt sorry for me, so they uh, they made me Richard Jordan stand-in and uh, and had me appear as an extra in a couple of uh, uh, a couple of scenes. <laughs> you know, and I I ended up working for a few days up there, and it was a real eye-opening experience. Uh, uh, you know, John Wayne, Catherine Hepburn. Uh, and this, uh, in, the, the amount of people that were working on it, I, I had never realized it. And the, and the sort of long waits, uh, uh, like the military, hurry up and wait, uh, mm -hmm. that were in between, in between shots and all the coverage and that. And it was a, it was a fascinating thing. So I, I decided to pursue that. And when I was working up in Seattle, I got cast in an American International uh, Pictures uh, film called uh, Joyride about the. Alaska Pipeline with um, Odessa Arnaz Jr. and uh, Melanie Griffith, uh, wow. Bobby Carradine, and um, and that was I had an actual role. I played a bartender in this bar. I was uh, um, I had scenes with uh, with most of them, and uh, and uh, it was really again I had just a great time doing it. And never you know and, and uh, thought, but never really thought this is what my my uh, career would be. But those were like the first two experiences I had in, in film. Yeah. And it was funny, this afternoon I was talking with somebody telling him that I was going to be interviewing you, and mm -hmm. they knew a lot of the things you've done. They looked at your, your credits and everything, and they said, can you imagine the amount of people, the stars that he's worked with over the years? And, and thinking about it and looking the, the, about the things that you've done, uh, you, you've, you've worked with almost everybody probably. <laughs> Well, I, there's an awful lot of people that I never thought that I would have the opportunity to work with, and and uh, again, it was just it was so it was so incredible. I got uh, into casino because um, an older actor uh, kind of freaked out, and uh, and he disappeared after after one day of shooting, and they were they needed to be out of this house in Las Vegas, and so they put out a call to a couple of cast uh, of uh, talent agents saying. You know, do you have anybody that can come up tomorrow into Las Vegas to, to shoot this stuff? And um, uh, so I got a call from my agent saying, can you be on a plane to Las Vegas tomorrow morning? I said, sure. I said, Is it, will there be a ticket for you at the, at, the, at the desk? Pick it up, and there'll be sides. Learn the sides, and then you'll audition for uh, Scorsese right then. And you may stay for a couple weeks, or you may turn around and get on the next flight back. And there'll probably be other actors on the plane with you. And I said, okay. And it turned out there were only two of us. There was um, and the other actor I had known from Minnesota, and uh, and he was much more the right type. It was for Banker Clark, and uh, and so you know, so we went up, and uh, and uh, they put us in a honey wagon, and we, and we waited, and they called us one at a time to come in and audition, and it was in one of those. Uh, trailers, and we were sitting around one of those little banquettes, and it was me and Joe Pesci and Scorsese and the script supervisor, <laughs> and doing this, doing these two scenes, 
and uh, so we finished up, and uh, and they they came by the uh, uh, the trailer, and they said uh, they they came up to my knock on my door, and they said, "I uh, okay, uh, is it okay if we trim your mustache?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely." They said, "Okay, you're you're on. Now we need to take you to a fitting now. Uh, say goodbye to your buddy, and uh, and we were off." So I was standing on the corner waiting for the teamster to show up. Uh, to, to take me to the fitting, and there was uh, Joe smoking a cigar, and I, I had just done a film with him uh, called Public Eye, in which we had a bunch of scenes, and uh, and I, I said, well, I said, well, Joe, uh, I really appreciate, uh, you know, you must have put in a good word for me because I know I didn't uh, blow anybody's socks off with the, with that audition, and he says, yeah, well, just don't screw it up, kid, and uh, and then that was it. I was uh, for the next uh, three weeks, I was back and forth between. L.A. and Las Vegas uh, uh, doing it and watching Martin Scorsese and uh, 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 De Niro and, and, and Joe and all these people, you know, doing actually doing scenes with them. And, uh, and it was phenomenal. There was, it was, uh, at, the one, at one point, I was totally in awe of what they were, what they were doing. Uh, at the other, uh, the other side, it was great to understand that they were just there to make a movie and essentially were putting their pants on one leg at a time like all the rest of us yeah yeah wow yeah was there was there anybody that you in particularly were just in awe of working with oh lots you know lots of people i mean uh, uh certainly uh, certainly that group um um i had a i had a, a wonderful time working with um uh the the, the 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 people that gary sinise cast in mice and man uh mm-hmm. him and malkovich and uh uh, Ray Walston, and uh, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a, but it was a really incredible group that they put together. Similarly, uh, Mike Judge did the same thing with a bunch of comics with um, uh, um, uh, Office Space. Uh, he took a, a fair amount of time casting it, and then then he said, "Look, I, I, I we're going to go down to Austin. It's uh, my hometown. We won't have a lot of people looking over our shoulders. We're going to work hard, but every night I'll show you the best places to eat." And, the clubs where my band used to play, and uh, we'll, and we had a great time for a month down in uh, uh, in Austin. Hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now you mentioned uh, uh, Office Space. That that is probably one of the biggest movies in the office where I work. And <laughs> everybody is, you know, they can they can recite the lines. Now I I don't want to jump to any conclusions, <laughs> but was that a fun set to work on? It just seemed to be. It could not have been a better set. Now, I'm going to tell you two quick stories about that. One was I was doing uh, I was back in New York actually doing a play. And uh, right after Office Space opened, and uh, uh, and uh, I, I went out to see it on my on my day off, and and I, I said uh, uh, I went back to the theater and I said, look, let, next Monday let's all go see it. It turned out really well, and next Monday it was gone, and uh, suddenly AT and you know didn't I thought well that's strange, but that happens I guess. Right. And uh, about. 
eight months later, suddenly people are courting it to me on the street. And uh, and I you know I I didn't have cable so I didn't know that it was suddenly on cable all the time and it was VHS and all that and it beca- that's how it it, it got its uh, its start and um, and uh, so about a year later I'm a friend of mine takes me to a uh, a cigar place in in Beverly Hills that he's a member of and we're uh, you know we're having a cigar and, and having a drink and getting ready to leave and the the meter D comes by and he says, "No, he says, wait, you're going to want to wait because Sammy Hager is coming in, and he just called ahead and, and he always brings in a, a bevy of beautiful girls. You're going to at least want to, you know, take a look before you go." <laughs> so we we used to have ocean. We guys we could wait a few more minutes, and so we, you know, ordered another drink and and went. And sure enough, he came in with all these gorgeous women, and we're about to leave, and 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 my buddy says, "Oh, I want to show you my humidor. It's right below Arnold Schwarzenegger's." So we go back in, in the back, and he, there, sure enough, there it is, Arnold, and, and he opens it up and shows me some stuff he has in his humidor, and and, uh, and so uh, we get ready to leave, and about three of the girls are coming through looking for the um, the bathroom, and and one said, oh my goodness, you were in office space, and I said, yes, I was. Oh, can we have your autograph? I said, sure, and will, will you write down your quote, your your quote about the stapler? <laughs> And I said, well, you know, I really was in office space, but that wasn't me. That was uh, Steve Root, this friend of mine. Uh, and uh, But I was the guy in the Jump to Conclusions. Man. Well, they said, oh, and I said, if you still want my honor, I'll give it to you. Oh, yes, and would you please write down your line about the stapler? And I said, if you could tell it to me, I'll write it down. <laughs> Now, do you have a jump to conclusion, Matt? <laughs> no, and nobody knows where the where the real one is. It it, it vanished after, after somehow after the uh, Mike doesn't have it. As far as I know, I mean, whoever has it knows where it is. Nobody else. Knows. Right? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 was a you know just a fun movie, and like you say, it's it's grown into like a cult status almost. Oh yeah, I remember uh, Entertainment Weekly uh, did a uh, did an issue about about you know cult movies. 50, 50 most famous cult movies, and and you know I was looking through, paging through it, and it went fifty to one, and never mentioned Office Space. I said that's strange, hmm. and you turned the page, and they said, but beyond all of this is is Office Space. Yeah. <laughs> well, and speaking of cult, uh, you have quite a legacy in uh, Star Trek. Yes, it was. I, I was. It was really. It was really exciting. Uh, I was doing the Ferris Bueller uh, series, and we were shooting it on the Paramount lot right next to the sound stage where they were doing Star Trek Next Generation. And, uh, you know, you, you see these people all the time. And uh, I got to know them. They said, look, you got to come over and do a, a Star Trek. And I said, I'd love to. But they said, but you know, you're going to have to shave your mustache because uh, the, the, the makeup people want to have a clean palette for all these various uh, alien types that they do. And I said, that's fine. You know, I just got into L.A. and didn't realize there was such a thing as branding. And uh, and doing theater, I, you know, I change my look every every play. So um, sure enough, they uh, when Ferris Bueller got canceled, I got an audition to go in and, and uh, uh, for Next Generation for um, this episode called Inner Light. Uh, and uh, and they said, uh, okay, we want to use you, but you're going to have to shave your mustache. I said fine. So I went in and uh, and they made this this whole facial mold, and then they decided that because. Patrick Stewart's character has to live a whole lifetime among these people that they all have to look like humans. So, so it wouldn't make any difference one or the other. But uh, nevertheless, we, we, we did it. I had a great time working on it. It was 
up to that point, it was uh, it was Patrick's favorite episode. I think partly because his son was in it, and he got to act with him, uh-huh. and um, and so uh, at the end of it, uh, you know, I said I said this is wonderful, and they and they would begin to bring me in for the other Star Treks. There was uh, I went in for Voyager, and uh, and they said, oh yeah, we've got this idea. We need to have Janeway needs to have a love interest, but we it can't be somebody on the on the ship. So we're gonna put her in this Irish holodeck, and she's gonna, you know, uh, have a you know be enamored of this Irish guy. And we want you to play you know one of the one of the Irish got, got people that, that live there. So I said, great. So we had a good time. We shot two episodes and I said we're gonna have about five or six more uh, beginning of next season. I said, wonderful. Well, they went a totally another way, but that was fun. We we had a, we had a cow on the set one time, and it was really a blast. Hmm. And then um, uh, when they when they started Enterprise, um, uh, I got called in to play um, uh, John Billingsley's character's mentor, and and that was a that was a, a three episode arc, and and it was it was really again it was really enjoyable. I I knew John had worked in theater with him. Um, I knew Scott uh, uh, had done a couple of quantum leaps with him. And so, and so, I just, again, just had a really great time. Hmm. Now, did they make you shave your mustache for those? No, and I didn't have to shave my mustache for either of those. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the thing about that was, that, so I have my mustache shaved uh, and, and while I'm doing the, uh, the original uh, Generations and um, auditioned for Free Willy while I'm doing that. And they cast me in Free Willy, sans mustache. And so uh, we were gone for 13 weeks uh, shooting that in Mexico and up in... Uh, uh, Seattle and Portland and Anacortes and that, and I get back and um, uh, and I start auditioning and nothing is 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 happening and so finally my agent is calling around to the casting people and saying, you know, is there a problem? They said, no, no, we love Richard. We just don't know how to cast him without his mustache, <laughs> and that became it. Mustache came back on and that was um, that was it. So you've never shaved it again since then? Uh, well, I, surprisingly, I did. I had to do it once. I did a a movie up in Canada called. Um, uh, uh, search for Santa Paws, and they were they were very insistent that they that they have a, a, a this Santa look, and so uh, every the the mustache had to be the same. They wanted white white, and and the eyebrows. So I had to shave everything: mustache, eyebrows, etc. And so I came back from that, and uh, and I was <laughs> I was literally letting my eyebrows grow back, but the mustache came along with them. <laughs> Well, I noticed you've actually played Santa a couple times, right? I, I played Santa a number of times. In fact, uh, I just finished doing yet another Santa on um, uh, Two and a Half Men for their this, this year's uh, Christmas show. But yeah, I did I did Santa in uh, Harold and Kumar. Uh, mm-hmm. We did a Santa uh, episode in in uh, Grounded for Life. Um, uh, I did a, uh, a Hallmark. Uh, uh, movie called our first christmas in which i played santa it's, it's been you know it's been a fun thing it's not not anything i would have i would have thought would have been uh, a regular gig but it has turned out to be <laughs> and you mentioned Gr- grounded for life that you, you did a great job on that show i oh, enjoyed that you. one thank you that was a re- that was a very exciting show to be part of uh it was uh they had they had gotten um uh, donald Logue and kevin Carr again and megan price who uh, who were legitimately uh, independent film people and and had told them we're going to do uh, a little a little half hour film or 23 minute film every week and it's, it's going to be uh, a single camera and you know and all that 
Um, and, but uh, uh, in between when they did the, when they shot the pilot and when they began shooting the first episode, they decided they had to have an audience in there. So they said, well, it's not going to change much. We're going to do three days of, um, of uh, uh, single camera, and then we're going to do a, a quick two-day uh, series of scenes in front of the audience just so we get that energy. And, uh, and so that's what it became. Uh, a little different, and the writing changed a little bit because of that. But it was it was such a wonderful show to be a part of. Everybody uh, from the from the producers on down were just were incredible. We had some great directors, we had some wonderful writers, and uh, and we got a lot of support for five seasons. And and then uh, it just I I don't know why actually. It, yeah, it's it always ended, hard to tell. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I was going to ask you about. Uh, films or movies or TV shows that you have coming up, but there's one in particular I want to ask you about before you answer that question. Um, okay. I see that you're involved with uh, Tesla. Yes, and um, and I have no idea what's happening with it, unfortunately. Um, uh, about two, I think about two years ago now, um, my my agents got this uh, uh, letter of interest from, from uh, the people that were doing Tesla. They have um, uh, this incredible act, Serbian actor that's been wanting to do this role forever, and they've been working on the script, and they've been, you know, and they've been putting it, to, you know, putting it together. Um, and they contacted me about doing Westinghouse, who was a, a Tesla supporter, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and then they they sent a picture of Westinghouse, and I could see why because, you know, he, he uh, there's a fairly good resemblance. Um, both in both in uh, mustache and girth, and so um, uh, and I love the script. It's a, it's a really marvelous script. You see you see him from you know from uh, his early days in in Serbia, coming to New York, living in a cold water flat someplace, and, mm-hmm. and invent, inventing these incredible things. And then the fight between him and Edison about about you know who deserves credit and, right. and who deserves uh, uh, patent and uh, and uh, funds for for the for everything from the incandescent light bulb to uh, uh, television to alternating versus uh, direct current and right. uh, it, you know I I thought it was just a marvelous script so they said would you be willing to write this letter of intent saying that if um, if we get the you know if we are able to do the film uh, that you would be uh, uh, and you're available that you'd be willing to do that role. I said absolutely, and so I did, and so it sort of appeared, you know, as they're as they're trying to raise funds. But for whatever reason, that they've been having a kind of slow time of it. Oh, yeah, it's too bad because that that's that, a lot of people don't know the story, and it's a it's a fascinating story. Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I never realized this. You know that this guy did so much, really. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now, what about uh, are there any other movies or TV shows that uh, you can tell us about that's coming up in the future for you? Well, I just finished uh, working on on, t- on two little independent films. I, I have no idea, you know, when or how they will be released, but right. they're both really great stories and 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 really good people involved. And one is called Last Man Club, and it's about a, a group of. Um, uh, a, a, a bomber crew from World War II who uh, are kind of being uh, forgotten by their families. Um, and uh, one of them is in, a, is in a home 
one of them is uh, is uh, has has become an alcoholic and is living in uh, in, a, in a trailer outside a bar that he uh, that he swamps out in order you know for his for his uh, uh, room and board, um, etc. So they decide to get to back to get to get together one last time because one of them is in in the hospital and he's been told that he only has a few weeks to live, and so there becomes there's this journey of the the one guy is. They've, they've taken away his car keys, and but he's, he's, he has an extra set that they don't know about it. So he starts driving his car, but he, he only has one good eye. He's not doing very well. So he, he picks up this uh, 18-year-old girl who's hitchhiking on the, on the side of the road, and she ends up being our driver. And then they go uh, from uh, the East Coast to, to Galveston, where they're going to meet up with the, with the guy in the hospital. And... Um, Picking up, you know, picking up various members of the crew. There's, there's uh, uh, five of us, and um, uh, unfortunately, my character doesn't make it. But the the, the group that does, uh, they get there, and they and there's an air show going on in the um, in the in the area near Galveston. So they decide to um, uh, steal the uh, the bomber uh, a bomber like the one they had flown, and fly it into the ocean. You know that day they're going to go out in a blaze of glory. It's wow. it's, it's, it's going to be uh, uh, Thelma and Louise, but um, they get up, they get it up in the air. They fly, they get it up in the air, flying, and uh, and then decide you know that wouldn't be that's not uh, honorable for all the men that flew in those planes before. So they turn it around and manage to land it. Although this you know there's some problems with the plane by that time, and and make this landing, and because of that. All that news uh, it it creates this, you know, people begin you know, to think: Are we ignoring this this generation of uh, of heroes? And uh, I think it's a really good script. Um, uh, uh, the uh, the writer was working on it for about twelve years, and he um, he had done a, um, a, a, a a short little reel with um, uh, Charles Durning. As as one as one of the guys, uh, in order to try and raise money, and unfortunately, uh, he died mm-hmm. uh, before they could do they could do it. So it's a it's a fairly different it's a different cast from what they had he'd originally planned on. Yeah. But I think it's a really good one, and uh, and I think it's it's a terrific uh, it's going to be a terrific film. I saw a little bit of, of footage from stuff we shot in Tucson at a uh, Air Force. Um, uh, airplane graveyard there, and boy, that boy, it looked great. Hmm. Yeah, that was an amazing. Sounds like uh, you experience just being there among all those planes. And then at the same time, I was <laughs> I was up in San Bernardino shooting this um, this children's movie called uh, Jimmy's Jungle, about a ten year old boy that sent spend the summer with his grandfather, and finds out that his grandfather lives next to a sanctuary for exotic animals, and uh, the the mean guy is. Uh, Trying to get it foreclosed so that he can uh, use the, take the animals and use them for uh, for research and and uh, sell the land and, and develop it. And uh, so the, the the boy decides he's going to try and and prevent that from happening. And um, in the course of which he discovers that his grandfather used to be a a, a lion trainer at the, in the circus. And so uh, in the end, they all get together and do it. And one of the more exci- most exciting things about it is we were actually shooting at this um, exotic uh, animal sanctuary in uh, uh, outside San Bernardino, and I got to work with uh, 
uh, tigers and a, and a, and a um, uh, albino lion cub and wow. uh, foxes, wolves, uh, tortoises, a baby skunk. It was really amazing. Jeez. Hmm. <laughs> so you, you keep busy, I take it. Oh, I try to. I mean, that's, you know, that's the fun of it. If it, if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't be doing it yeah. anymore. Yeah. Well, Richard, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Okay. Uh, taking us away from the cabining and uh, all the other films and TV shows you've been in, when you sit back and relax, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past and your favorite movies now and of the past? Oh, wow. Um, well, in terms, in terms of, the, uh, of the movies, the time of year that I love the best, I'll probably be uh, out seeing a movie almost... Uh, uh, every night from now until uh, until the first of the year, um, and it's always exciting to see where things are going. I mean, in the last in the last week, I've seen um, Birdman, which I thought was just uh, phenomenal. Uh, Nightcrawler, um, uh, the uh, Rosewater, uh, all just really really good films. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's it's hard to both in in in, in TV and in film to um, to pick a, a you know a best, um, and but what's what's exciting is 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 the new things and and seeing where they're going. And sometimes they're successful, sometimes they're 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 less so. But they're it's always you know it's always uh, exciting. I, in Birdman, the way that that was shot is just is absolutely incredible. It's it's as if it were a single shot. Of course, it's not, but it, but he did such a wonderful job of uh, of doing that. Plus a a terrific job of uh, uh, sort of behind-the-scenes theater stuff. It, it's it's really uh, mordantly humorous. So you could relate uh, to that movie then. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And and for TV, I have to say, um, I I'm I become thankful uh, for um, uh, Netflix and Amazon and binge watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, there, it's, there's really something about being able to watch several episodes at a time and keep the story going rather than having to wait week to week. Yeah. Uh, in, in the sitcoms, it, I, I, uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with uh, uh, Chuck Lorre a couple of times in the last uh, month, and, and he just he keeps bending the envelope. Uh, <laughs> I think Mom is a wonderful sitcom, and, I, and uh, uh, Two and a Half Men still, I mean, it, there's, it's still actively, even though they're, they, they're already have a stop date it's still there's still a sense of we're going to push this thing you know right to the end mm-hmm. <laughs> and i love and i love the um uh, i probably watch uh uh, uh john Sh- john stewart's daily show and 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 the, the colbert report uh, every day i'd be sort of see that one go mm-hmm. but again it's, it's because it's because they're so um uh, tied into what's happening right now yeah yeah well richard I want to make sure that everybody is going to be looking for you in the cabining coming up on Please do. On you, January. You're really going to enjoy it. I've got to tell you, it is, it is, it is so outrageously funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it's going to be a good one. So, I think it is. I, I, I thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. What a great guy. I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. I hope you enjoyed that one. And uh, it, it, he's just such a fun actor to watch. And uh, to be honest, I haven't seen him in anything else without his mustache. Every time I've seen him, he's had his mustache. So it was interesting to hear that he did shave it at least once for a film. It, but he, he's just not the same guy. I, I, I can't picture him without it. 
So, anyways, uh, that was a, a fun one to talk to. Uh, hope you enjoyed that. And let's see here. We are going to be wrapping this one up. But uh, first, I want to remind you, if you're on Facebook, be sure to like us. And uh, if you uh, have some friends out there, be sure to tell them about On Screen and Beyond. Get the word out. Let people know that we are here and we have all these fascinating guests. We have over 347 guests. We've had doubles on, you know, people who have uh, uh, had two guests on at the same time and everything here. So we got a lot of guests out there and a lot of fascinating stories. It's so much fun to hear them and let your friends know about it so they can go to onscreenandbeyond.com or go to iTunes and download them. They're just, just so much fun and we appreciate it that you take your time to listen to us every week here. So, that is about it. Uh, And if you're on iTunes, be sure to leave us a little review there. That would help us out, too. So, that's a wrap for this week. Until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.